Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. It was a middle seat open next to me. I ain't want none of them sitting there talking to me the whole damn flight. So I had to turn my blackness up. <laughs> oh yeah, white people, that's something we do. <laughs> it's called managing your blackness. See, white people, y'all can be white all day long. Black people can't be black all day long. <laughs> Society don't play that. It's messed up. But we have to choose throughout our day when to be black and when not to be. It's crazy. That black dude you work with, that ain't how he really act. Hello, and welcome to The Last Laugh. I'm Matt Wilstein from The Daily Beast. My guest this week is Dion Cole. Dion is a stand-up comedian who I first saw when he started popping up on Conan about a decade ago. He was a writer there for several years and did tons of bits uh, with Conan on the show. After leaving, he has gone on to breakthrough roles on ABC's Blackish and then the spin-off Grownish, where he plays Charlie. But stand-up has always been Dion's true passion, and we talked a lot about that in this episode because today, his first hour-long Netflix special, Cole Hearted, started streaming. There is a lot of funny stuff in this special, but I have to admit that some of it also rubbed me the wrong way, and we got into that in this episode as well, which led to what I thought was a really interesting conversation about cancel culture, everyone's favorite topic right now. Uh, So before we get to Dion, I want to give my usual reminder to please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, Let us know what you think of the show. Who do you want to see on it? Uh, What's your favorite episode so far? Um, We would really love to hear from you. But now let's go to my conversation with Dion Cole. Well, uh, Dion, thank you for coming in today. Uh, so this uh, this podcast is going to drop the day that your new sp- your new Netflix special drops, so uh, people can can watch it right now and probably already have if they're listening to this. Uh, <laughs> so um, so yeah, congrats on that. And cool. um, thank you for having me. Too, yeah, man. the the special is called Cold Hearted. Yes. Um, and it's uh, it's your first like big hour long special on on Netflix, right? Or yeah. or, or at all. Uh, it's my first hour on Netflix. I had an hour special mm-hmm. on Comedy Central yeah. before. So, yeah, but on Netflix, it's my very first hour. Yeah, um, so that's exciting. And I think it will, you know, it, these hours on Netflix have become such a big, big deal in comedy. And they yeah. and they open you up to tons of people. Yeah. Um, but you actually, before this, you were featured on the stand-ups mm-hmm. on Netflix, which is a half hour uh, a couple years ago. Yeah. Um, did you notice a big effect on, on sort of your career or, or recognition after that? Because I've heard that from some other comedians. Yeah, it was cool. It was it was a lot of love. It was a lot of love, a lot of people who, who saw and uh yeah it was cool it was it was it was really cool um did you have any uh you know thoughts about doing it or not doing because you'd already done had you already done your hour on comedy central when you yeah, when did you did hour it? on comedy central and um the way that comedy central 
uh, did with my special. I wasn't like extremely happy with it, but you know, it was the powers that be at the time. So I just was like, okay, whatever. I love the special. The yeah. special was what did you great not like? to me. I just didn't like the way that it was promoted. Mm-hmm. Uh, they told me one thing and it was another, and so. Anyway, and like what? What did they? Just, what did they tell you? And what I don't know. It, it just fell by the wayside to me. It was like mm-hmm. it was. It, it was exactly what I was scared that it was going to be. Like I, I was like, if it's going to be a special, let's make it special. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do it if it's not special. And so they were like, no, it's going to be special, and we're going to promote it, and this and that and the third. And it, we, I had a few billboards and things like that, and I was cool or whatever. But when it aired, it aired that one time, and then that was it. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, they aired it a few other times after that, but it's just, I, I, I don't think it got, like, the, the love it deserved. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, I was kind of like bummed about that or whatever yeah Yeah, i mean it does seem like these netflix specials are getting a lot more attention than maybe some that have been on on comedy central or other networks so when when they came came here we were about the about the half hour i Mm -hmm. was skeptical at first because i just did an hour Mm -hmm. and i was like i don't do no half hour and they was like but this is a whole nother audience Mm -hmm. you need to see how this audience is this is crazy so i was like all right, well, now, let me see, you know. And uh, Robbie, my my man Robbie over at Netflix, that's my guy. So anything he want, I'm going to do anyway. So when he came to me with the idea, because this, this was their first time ever doing this. Yeah, yeah. And so I was like, all right, well, let's just do it. And so when we did it, it was like, man, it was, it was really great. And I always thought to myself, man, now this this will help springboard the owl, I think. Yeah, when I, I had Ron Funches on the show, uh, one of the earlier episodes, and he was talking about how they offered they offered that to him too, the stand ups, and he actually turned it down mm-hmm. because he he felt like he was you know ready for an hour and didn't want to feel like he was going backwards. Yeah, but it's interesting. And I also talked to Nate Bargatze, who was in that. Uh, in that round with you, the first stand-ups, and he felt like it totally like launched his career. So there's yeah, really different perspectives. Yeah, on this absolutely. Stuff. And it, and then, like I said, it brought me to a whole nother audience. Mm-hmm. See what a lot of people. You got to put your pride aside. You know what I mean? And go. I ain't doing no half hour, but you 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 have to put your pride aside and look at it like this is another audience. Mm-hmm. This is a this is a way. Especially if you've never done nothing on Netflix, mm-hmm. this is a great way for you to introduce yourself. Give them 30 minutes, how people really buzzing about you. And then when your hour come, you know, there you go. You yeah, know? I mean, so, I mean, you have so many projects going on and have fans from a lot of stuff that you do, you know, mm-hmm. Blackish and Grownish and mm-hmm. and um, and all that. But did it, was there a tangible effect on, in terms of your stand-up um, audience, like people coming out to see you after that? Yeah, yeah. Like, like after that... I, after that half hour, I seen I seen like a, a little spice. I saw a little spike in my audience. My audience was, was getting a little thicker, and it was getting a little thicker, and it was cool. But it wasn't like, you know, like 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 overwhelming over the next day because it was it was six of us. I mean, mm-hmm. some people probably didn't even see me on that special because they went to all the other guys or whatever, mm-hmm. or they did see me or whatever. But it wasn't like focus specifically on me you know what I mean so uh but the people that did see it they was just like man or they remembered me or whatever and it was cool and you know when I went to their city it was it was love but I I think that this is hopefully this is this is something going to be different yeah I mean so now you have the hour um and so once you once you knew you were going to be making an hour for Netflix how did you approach it? Did you want it to be different from the half hour that you had already put out? Or Yeah, my whole thing was, 
you know, I appreciate all of those that love me and follow me and, and, and came to my shows and support everything that I do. But with this special, I, I just had in mind, I was like, man, I, I want to go. I, I want to make those people happy, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I also want to gain new followers and I want to gain new people. So I, you know, constructed my material to hit like everybody, you mm-hmm. know, like a little something for everybody. Almost seemed like I'm all over the place, but. <laughs> it, but it was constructed that way to hit, you know, East Coast people, West Coast people, down south, overseas, whatever. It was it was something for everybody, and for for comics as well to look at it. And I'm quite sure some comedians are gonna look at it and they're gonna be like, some jokes are like uh, low hanging fruit jokes or whatever. But that's not the case to those that don't want to be a you know, a comedy <laughs> scientist. Everybody yeah. ain't no comedy scientist. Some people just want to relate, you yeah. know, and so you got to have that with them. But at the same token, I have that for those comedy scientists as well for them to look at how I construct something and have them break mm-hmm. it down and have them go, oh, wow, like I did that, you yeah. know. Uh, I have a joke on my special that is not a good joke at all, but I did it on purpose in order to get the laugh from it. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, and so, I, I have a feeling I know which one you're talking about. Yeah, um, yeah, the yeah, one. Do you, yeah. do you want to uh, do you want to say it? Or? I mean, <laughs> I, I want people to see it, but yeah, it's it's this it's this Arby's joke that I did, and mm. then the Arby's joke. I want people to like see it where they just like. Like, it's, it's funny not being funny mm-hmm. sometimes. And that's something that comics can learn, learn. Mm-hmm. They, where they can look and they'll be like, you know, everything don't have to be structural like that. Mm-hmm. Unstructural is, is structural. Yeah. If you really think about it. And so it's, you know, the joke is purposely done in order to get a certain kind of laugh that's different than the laughs that I got. Mm-hmm. So if you really look at my special, you'll see, you know, I have, I have what comics consider it's really no low hanging fruit to me Mm. but I know how other comics think or whatever and that's why a lot of them don't even really really flourish sometimes because they're so busy in their heads about how amazing this has to be when they lose focus on the people and Mm. the vibe and vibing with people because you're so busy with how you construct it that you forget to lose the essence. You mm. lose the essence of who you are being so politically correct and, you know, structuralizing your material to yeah. to appease those that are, are, are only going to go very well done and that's it. Mm-hmm. They're not going to pay to cover your show. Yeah, the one that I was going to that I was going to ask you about is not the Arby's one. Um it's the, I think comes right after. Should a dude hold the door for a dyke? (laughs) This is a legitimate question. (laughs) I tried one day. I was like, there you go, ma'am. She was like, walk in, nigga. I was like, damn, bitch. That gets a certain kind of reaction, too. Yeah, absolutely. And you use that moment as sort of a, a jumping off point to talk about that kind right. of reaction that, right. that that word gets or that sentiment gets. Right. Um, so can you just talk a little bit about why you decided to do that? And that's another, and I was an, and that's another angle. That's another range mm-hmm. of me showing you how to use certain words to catapult this whole 
area we're about to go in. I did that word on purpose mm-hmm. in order to get people to, to 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 see the reaction of people, to show them right in that moment mm-hmm. how timid you are, to show you <laughs> how you can't handle dialogue, how yeah. now you wanna you wanna tear my head off without even even looking at the actual reasoning, which I had a valid reason of asking. Mm -hmm. Because if you really think about it, I might be really offending someone if I ask them that. Yeah. You know what I mean? So instead of looking at what I'm saying, you want to go, he said this word, Mm -hmm. when you don't even know if it's a bad word or not. So what I did was I actually used that moment to show, to mirror you and show you how you think and how you are and how you shouldn't do that. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I did that joke on purpose just to see what kind of audience this is. You know? Sometimes these audiences, man, they be so lame. That's how America is now when it comes to comedy. Everybody's so timid with everything. So timid and shit. It's like you can't handle dialogue. I don't remember how America got so soft. Everything is fucking horrible right now because of your lame-ass tolerance. Music suck, movies suck. Comedy is the last raw form of expression. And if you take that away, everything's fucking gone and shit. Because of what you can't handle. That shit is fucked up. And then you try to shun away people who think differently than you. I'm not one of them comedians that's going to sit up here and spoon feed you all the bullshit that you want to hear and shit. I'm not. You got to respect the way another motherfucker thinks. The more people that we have that think differently, the more opportunity we have for change. You get what I'm saying? You got to respect that, man. I said the word dyke and y'all motherfuckers clammed up like, if it's a bad word or not and you clammed up you think I'm gonna risk it all over a motherfucking word no motherfucker I do research when I write these fucking jokes god damn it I asked Wanda Sykes <laughs> yes I work with Wanda on black because y'all called up I said Wanda can I say the word dyke she was like yes nigga stop calling me this late I got kids you talk about how you uh, you talk to your to Wanda Sykes about it, um, yes. and to get her perspective on it. So, what, mm-hmm. can you can you share a little bit more about what that uh, conversation was? So uh, I was I was I was at uh, work. We both were working on Blackish together, mm-hmm. and um, I told her I wanted to talk to her about some stuff about a joke. And then uh, I don't remember if we talked right then at, at that moment, but I remember I. I um, I, uh, no, no. She said, she said, she said, well, let me hear it. Mm-hmm. And so I told her the joke and she was like, hmm. And I was <laughs> like, well, I said, I said, you don't think it's funny? She said, it's cool. She was like, it's good. She's like, it's funny. It's good. She said, she said, just don't call me late at night because I got kids about anything else. <laughs> she said, don't call me about anything else, motherfucker, because I got kids. And I just was like, but is it funny? And she was like, yeah, it's funny. She said, mm-hmm. she said, you can say it. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, cool, right? She was like, and then I was like, man, that's funny. I said, even what you said was funny. Your response to <laughs> yeah. it was funny. And I was like, I'm going to put that in there too. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely went to Wanda about that, you know, because just how the climate is nowadays. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think you say something like, 
you know, I don't want to, like, you think I would say that word and ruin my career yeah. if I, or do something that would ruin my career, I, which kind of nods to cancel culture, which is a huge topic of conversation right now. Cancel culture is horrendous. Yeah. It's like, why do you think that I were in my career on this when you didn't do your research? Mm-hmm. You didn't do your research. You thought that's a bad word when we haven't got one, I haven't got one email mm-hmm. about that being a word that shouldn't be said yeah. or feeling, makes people yeah. feel bad. You might get some after it's on Netflix, but yeah, uh, but but look, I don't, I run, I really don't think so because mm-hmm. if you really listen to it, there's a there there. I who who's who who said that that's a bad word or not? I have no one came and told me anything. If like like I've heard the word, I've heard other words where we can't say it and it mm-hmm. makes people feel bad and all that. Then I'm like, okay, cool. No one sent me to end the memo on that. And mm-hmm. if I didn't get the memo on that, why do you want to crush my head? Mm-hmm. Like, why wouldn't you be like, oh well, let us let you know now that that is a thing. And then it's like, okay, fine, so be it. But you can't be mad at me for not knowing. How I'm supposed to know about your world like that when I'm not in that world mm-hmm. so if you want me to know about something then put it out there so I'll know and I'll, I'll treat you accordingly mm-hmm. but I still had a valid point mm-hmm. at the end of them not liking nothing it still is a valid point do I open the door or do I not mm-hmm. and it's not making fun of it. the joke ain't making fun of who you are mm-hmm. it ain't making fun of what you, your choices is it don't have nothing to do with any of that yeah. it's simply do I open the door for you yeah and you and if, and if anyone wants to get mad about that man then <laughs> god damn man. yeah i mean and you have another bit earlier in the special about uh i believe your your uh, cousin who's gay and it's very much like an accepting kind of bit about yes. encouraging him to come out of the closet yes. and you make jokes about that so. yes so so it is it is it, it, it's one end out of the other it's mm-hmm. like it's no bashing it's not my cousin like this is my cousin. Like mm-hmm. we, we, I love him to death, and I want him to be free, and I want him to be who he is. It make it easy on all of us. So, mm-hmm. for you to, for you to pinpoint something like that, you want to, you want to crush me, you want mm-hmm. to cancel me, you want to, 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 to ruin me, mm-hmm. and it's really, really fucked up that we live in this era where you can't make mistakes. Because I know, growing up. That's how I learn. Mm-hmm. I learn from mistakes. Mm-hmm. I've always been that way. If I if I ride my bike with no hand and I don't hold the handlebar grips, uh, handlebars, and I fall, I know to hold them next time. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I should be able to allow to be, and I should be allowed to make mistakes and learn from them. But this culture nowadays, they like, man, you make you mess up. It's off with your head, man. And it's and it's sad because I don't trust that you really know what you're doing if you're that perfect and you don't make no mistakes. Mm-hmm. So what do you think about the whole situation with Saturday Night Live and this guy Shane Gillis who they hired and then fired a couple of days later after all this stuff came up? I mean, what was your reaction to that? I really don't know the story on that mm-hmm. all the way. What was the stuff that came up? Um, he he made a lot of comments on podcasts, uh, racist comments, homophobic comments, and they were they were more in the. I think they weren't really made on stage as jokes. They were more made just in like conversations on podcasts, which I think mm-hmm. probably made a difference. Right. Um, but there was you know there was a lot of backlash, and he had the job, and then a few days later he didn't have the job. So that's you know when people talk about cancel culture, I feel like. That's one of the bigger, you know, examples of in recent history. There's also the, you know, Kevin Hart situation where with the Oscars. And, and so, know, it's you know, it's man, happening it's, more and more, right? It's just, it's sad, though, man. It's like, 
You have to allow someone. You have to allow someone to grow with the times. Mm-hmm. You have to. The way things were then aren't the way they are now, and the way things are now won't be in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you, 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 you have to know that for you to try to get uh, publicity and sell stories and magazines all off of somebody did something in the past or whatever. Regardless, mm-hmm. and you got to look at how harsh that is and mm-hmm. what they did in the yeah. past. I think but, the guy from SNL it was it was within the last you know few months, so it wasn't like it was happening so, a long so, time ago. Right, but, right. Yeah. So, so with him, if that if that's the case, then he has to be held accountable for yeah. that. He should know mm-hmm. better. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? But as far as with Kevin Hart, yeah, that was different. Far, uh, yeah, that was different. Do you? They they went on his timeline and went back eight years mm-hmm. to something. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's sad when it gets to that point where you're searching and fishing for something mm-hmm. like that. It's sad. But if the guy did that like a few months ago, then yeah, he's he should know about it. Yeah, do you, you worry? Know, which, you... Is, which, which is still like, you know, it's... It, we just living in an era now where it's like, man, you got to watch everything. Yeah. Man. Is it something that you worry about? Is it something that you think about? Yeah, you worry about that all the time. And and no one is really who they really are. Mm-hmm. And that's sad, too, that you won't allow people to be who they are because then you'll know the real them. Mm-hmm. Now we're living in an age you don't know the real person. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't because everyone is, like, watching themselves. Mm-hmm. So now you don't know really who's a real racist right now or not or who's a real bigot or not right now mm-hmm. because everyone is watching themselves. I like that when you were who you were. So I'll know who you are and I'll deal with you the way that I need to deal with you. Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? And yeah. I'll be who I am. Mm-hmm. And you just accept that. Not that your feelings are hurt or that you crushed and you can't handle what I'm saying or nothing like that. No, like, let me be who you are so I'll know that. Mm-hmm. Remember they tried to change the words, the the N-word and, and what is it, and, and uh, Mark yeah, Twain? Yeah, Huckleberry Finn. Huckleberry yeah. Finn. Yeah. They tried to change the words in that in order, <laughs> in order for it to make it appease today's times. Yeah. You, will, you will get rid of history like that in order to appease today's times. And that's crazy and that's how everyone is right Right now, mm-hmm. it's like everybody's trying to be something that they're not, and it's more scarier than ever because I might, I might take somebody in my house who who hate me, mm-hmm. but they act like they love me because they have to be that way. You yeah. know what I mean? It's it's it's. I just try to stay out of everybody's mm-hmm. way, you know, and 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 try to just do me, man, as much as possible, and and that's it. But this this new era, man, everybody want to take you down. Mm-hmm. Everybody, everybody, and then when you and then when people are wrong about stuff, their apology is never as loud as their accusations, mm-hmm. ever. Yeah. Your accusations be loud. It'd be like, oh, yeah, he, 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 he. But then when they find out the truth, they go, oh, and then everybody's quiet. <laughs> yeah, people only like to cover the, the they outrage. They only want to yeah. cover the outrage, man. Yeah. Um, do you, I, I find it so interesting that you're on this show, Grownish Now, which takes place on in college mm-hmm. campus, and a lot of these issues are coming up, and, you know, comedians playing colleges and having issues around that. Right. Um, do you... Do, have you have you played a lot of uh, have you done stand up at colleges much? Yeah, or, yeah. yeah. And what's your experience with it? Uh, now I just try to stay like if I do a college, if I decide to do a college, which mm-hmm. is very, 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 very rare. 
I just stay as PC as possible, man. Yeah, you I, do. I get in. I, 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 this, my, my point of view really isn't important. It's mm-hmm. let me make them laugh the best way I yeah. can. And the amount of time I got to do it, and yeah. let me go. But I'm not trying to change the world. I'm not trying to give my point of view on anything at any college at <laughs> all. I'm in and out, promise yeah. you. Yeah, just because you view it as a job, you don't feel like you... Um... I just, I just, I just don't know about that generation mm-hmm. being able to handle <laughs> what I have to say. Yeah. That's all it is. It's me protecting their feelings mm-hmm. and protecting myself. Yeah. That's all it yeah. is. Coming up, Dion tells the story of how he first started doing stand-up on a $50 bet. So I want to go back a little bit to uh, sort of how you got your start in, in comedy. You you grew up in Chicago, mm-hmm, right? And you yeah. started there as well. Yeah. Um, so what's the? I know there's sort of an interesting story about how you you started doing stand up. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what's the? What, what is that story? Uh, a friend bet he bet me like fifty dollars to mm-hmm. go on stage. Yeah. yeah, and and at an open mic or at a yeah, we went to an open mic and we went. They wouldn't let me on. We went three weeks straight, and then finally when I got on, it was just no looking back. Yeah, yeah. How did it go that first time? And man, I got a standing ovation. Really, standing ovation the first time, man. It was crazy, but I kept doing the same material over and over again. And what makes you is what break you. Mm-hmm. So. That only lasted for so long that <laughs> I kept doing the same jokes over and over again that people was like, all right, already. So, Do you remember one of the jokes that sort of did the best that first time you got up? Uh, I wrote this Sunny Delight joke, mm-hmm. and that was like my slam closer joke, and it's horrible now, but then it was <laughs> like it was like everything. And then it was this other joke I had about this insurance company commercial in Chicago called Eagle Man Insurance. It was mm-hmm. the worst commercial ever made. And it was so popular, but uh, we uh, I just joked about it, and it was like killer, killer, like in Chicago. So, yeah, those are my two hitters. Who were the kind of comedians that you really uh, looked up to or, or liked when you were when you were starting out? Man, Bernie Mac. In Chicago, it was like Bernie Mac, Adele Givens, George Wilborn. They were like very, very pivotal. Uh, another comedian, Kenny Howe, very pivotal in my career as far as coming up. A guy named Raymond Lambert, Mary Lindsay, they own the club called All Jokes Aside. Very, very pivotal. Um, then it was like, you know, just the greats that I went and looked at and studied afterwards. It wasn't like mm-hmm. I studied them before because I didn't even know I was going to do stand-up. Yeah. But I knew who they were and I loved what they did. But, you know, it was like... Richard Pryor, Eddie Murphy, Ellen. I, I watched mm-hmm. Ellen before I even knew I was going to be a stand-up. I just yeah. liked Ellen, George Garland, uh, Stephen Wright, you know, Mitch Hepburn, like a whole bunch of greats, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, these are people that I kind of like thought they were they were already doing it, but I had this stand-up without even really like looking at them looking I mean I've mm-hmm. seen their stuff but I really went and watched them after I did my stand up and these are people I kind of identify with mm-hmm. and how do you feel like your your style has evolved or changed if at all over over this time um, since you started I don't I know, how many like, years have you been doing it now I think it's like 26 wow 26 yeah. years I think I believe it's 26 mm-hmm. but uh, but yeah it, it has evolved tremendously um, it's 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 
it's like I I I know what it's like I know what I'm doing now. Mm-hmm. When then I would just be doing something. If it worked, it worked. Now it's like I can hear something. I can go. Oh, I'm not saying that it works. It doesn't go like that. But it's something where I go. Oh, I pay attention to it, and then I write it down. And I go try it, and you know, or I try to you know shape it where where it works. But confident level, I think, is more. Um, has grown more than when I started. I'm mm-hmm. more confident to, you know, say what I got to say or perform with other people. One thing I, I thought was interesting about watching your, your new special and the stand-ups is that in both you do something where you pull out a, a piece of paper and kind of yeah. read jokes off of it and cross them out as yeah, you go. Yeah, I've been doing that my whole career. Good, that's good. Um, what I'm going to do tonight is I'm going to try out some jokes. You know, do some jokes. Hopefully they work. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. And if they don't, then I'll never see y'all again, so it don't matter. (laughs) Uh, also, <laughs> I only wrote black material. <laughs> White people, I didn't know y'all was coming. <laughs> so um, just sit there and take that shit. So I was eating dinner with these white devils last week. <laughs> All right, I won't do those jokes. How did that start? Um, and do you feel like, is it something that you need to do or it's something that you kind of do to adjust expectations with the audience or how nah, that... it's something that I started doing I used to be so high in Chicago <laughs> I used to forget my jokes and so yeah. I used to go on stage and do that and then I stopped smoking and I just 
remember my jokes and people used to be like, where's your notepad at? And I'd be like, huh? And I'd be like, man, no, no, get your notepad, man. Like, no, that's it. Mm-hmm. And so I'd grab my notepad again and bring it out and people <laughs> just love that. And then it became something where I was like, man, eh, it's kind of gimmicky or whatever, but it really wasn't. It became something where I was like, well, this is real. Like, I'm mm-hmm. the more, the more organic this is the more fun it'll be if i'm more real and i'm more like yo i'm you know i just want to try this out and see if it works and i and really try it out mm-hmm. then yeah this works and so that's what i started doing and so a lot of jokes some jokes i would not have never even done before but i'll go on a tv special or something and do it and i'll do the joke for the first time then just to get the real response yeah because i think it's funny not being funny are there, honestly are there do. any of those in the new special that you had never done before no no those was like all of them were like tight tight yeah. tight tight yeah. tight yeah yeah and i want to make sure that special was extremely mm-hmm. tight yeah, yeah I, didn't, I didn't i didn't i didn't want to like risk nothing you mm-hmm. know but usually like if i'm like doing my own uh or if i'm doing like like i've done specials like in canada you mm-hmm. know and i've done like seven minutes special I, seven minutes on a comedy special in Canada but yeah. I'll I'll do a new joke right at that moment just so it won't work yeah. you know because that becomes just as funny as one that works mm-hmm. you know and so I, and I've done it on other specials I did it on uh, uh, Def Jam once mm-hmm. yeah so yeah uh, what do you think the audience likes about it the you know I think they just like how deconstructed it is you know it's mm-hmm. just like it's just raw and it's and it's real and it's like we it's it, it feels like you're on this journey you you're you're going with me as we're trying to see if this works or not mm-hmm. you know and it just becomes funny and now it's to the point where people be like I'll do a show and people will be like man if if I do a show and after my show people come to me man I brought my girl to see you pull out your notepad and you didn't man like what's <laughs> up you know I'd be like oh man I, you know I, I just didn't use it this time or whatever you know like people be like kind of disappointed about that but I don't I don't use it as a crutch mm-hmm. I just like to pull it out and just show range and show something different and add another different style to to what I do like I said I want I want to give you a range of styles when I mm-hmm. when you see my special it's just a array of different ways of telling mm-hmm. jokes and different ways of doing things you know stories short ones you know just mm-hmm. just different just you know just have an arsenal man yeah. arsenal the other thing that stands out from the special i think is how physical it is and how you're you know acting bits out throughout yeah. um is that always something that you no that that's the, no that's the that's like one of the first times that, really? yeah. yeah because if you look at the nef the the, the stand ups there's I'm not in, as much of that I'm in yeah. one spot yeah. and that's my that's my sweet spot mm-hmm. my sweet spot is just standing there mm-hmm. not moving like that's that's what i do i don't go nowhere I do my notes and that's it. But this is the first time that I was like, man, let me let me be a little bit more animated. Let me move around. I got some stories that need some visual, mm-hmm. you know. And so that's what it was. It was like I wanted to kind of like bring a little bit more energy to it. Like I said before, this wasn't for the people that love me already. This mm-hmm. was for 
uh, trying to get a whole new audience, a whole new following of people as well. I mean, it is for the people that love me, but mm-hmm. it's also for those that don't know me too. So I had to switch up a lot in order to appease, yeah, you know, plenty, plenty of people. Was it scary at all, kind of going out on a limb to do that uh, physical stuff? Yeah, yeah. Like I said, I've been I've been practicing it for like a like some years. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And, and yeah. like practicing and getting comfortable with it, or whatever. So I know exactly what it was and. You know, it wasn't it doesn't it didn't take me out of who I was or whatever, but usually I stand there with a mic stand in me and don't move, you know. Mm-hmm. But um I'm starting to get comfortable with that. I'm starting to get comfortable with that. I, and, and I kinda like it, you know. Um uh it just it just it just it just shows another range of, of what I wanna have in my arsenal to move around and be kinda animated. Coming up Dion talks about working on The Tonight Show in 2009 when NBC kicked Conan O'Brien to the curb. So I think probably the the first time that I saw you uh, was on Conan's show, mm-hmm. um, which I'm sure is true for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, how did you how did you end up writing on Conan? Uh, I think it was on, on The Tonight Show in uh, 2009. About yeah, I went on, I went on The Tonight Show as a guest doing stand up. With my notepad, mm-hmm. I did my whole notepad and everything on there, put, <laughs> going off my jokes off my notepad, and was killing, killing. After I finished, Conan came and talked to me backstage, and we talked about everything but this, but what I just did. Mm-hmm. We talked about parking, <laughs> parking cars, food, uh, the weather, yeah. government. We ain't talking about really nothing about what I... All he said was, man, great job tonight. And I said, thanks, man. He said, you killed. I was like, thanks. And then we talked about everything else. And then after that, you know, I left. And a couple of weeks later, my manager called me, and it was like, he wants you to write for him. Mm-hmm. And I was like, write what? And they was like, jokes. <laughs> I'm like, huh? I'm like, for what? Like, I don't even get it. Like, him? Why you want me? Like, you want me to submit something? They was like, no. Nope. I want you here, want you to be here Monday. <laughs> said, That's pretty right. amazing. He probably saw the notepad and was like, this guy can write. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it was, man. But you know what? I, my whole career has been like that, man. It's just been all vibes, man. Yeah. It's just vibes, vibing with people, mm-hmm. man. And we just link up together and and, and just, man, us linking you know, we, we make mm. magic. You know? So I know one of the big challenges of, of late night writing is that you're, you know, a lot of, especially if you're a stand-up, you go from writing for yourself to, to having to write for this host. Mm-hmm. Was that a challenge for you when you when you started to to say, I, I got to write jokes? Not really, because I had, I had wrote for other people, like Ricky mm-hmm. Smiley, a very funny comic. I, he was one of the first guys I've ever written for. And... um um, I was doing like stuff in Chicago. We had like this sketch troupe called the Forgotten City, and we used to perform under uh, uh, a Second City. It was at Second City, mm-hmm. and we were called the Forgotten City. And we used oh. to write sketches and stuff for that. And so I, I, I knew how to write, but I just couldn't believe he wanted me to write. Mm-hmm. That, that was the mind blowing thing. I'm like. Yo, this guy wrote Simpsons and Saturday Night Live. Like, yo, he's legendary. Like, what do you, what do you want me for? You know. And so, um, we, um, yeah, it just blew my mind. Blew my mind. They wanted me to write for him, and you know, next thing I know, we 
touring and was nominated for Emmys and mm-hmm. it was just all a whole bunch of great stuff after that man just great 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 stuff after that yeah I mean you were there though for the all the the drama yeah, with the, the Tonight Jay Show Leno. and Jay yeah, Leno so yeah. what was it like to be there when that was going down oh it was crazy man it was uh I didn't even really realize at the moment how monumental this was because mm-hmm. I just because I had just came on board so yeah. I'm still kind of learning in the lay of the land so you know for us to be and we were rocking and rolling too like we were going he had me coming out doing bits on the show and mm-hmm. like he had yeah like, that happened pretty fast for you oh, right? yeah. it happened overnight like as soon as I got there we just started like rocking it out and putting the stuff out and like you know it's just never been seen even with him and me and him linking up and just man rocking and rolling so for us to have love it was like oh wait a minute we mm-hmm. yo we 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 rolling, man. And, yeah, I mean, and, there uh, there was a moment where there, he was maybe gonna move to like midnight or something. Yeah, and that was the reason why he didn't. That's the reason why he left. Yeah, he didn't want to compromise the time mm-hmm. of the late night show that's been coming on forever at that time. Yeah, and now they wanted to move it to twelve, and he was like, nah. Yeah, was that a pretty uh, unanimous uh, in in the show? I mean, with the people, or do you feel like some people were like, "Hey, we're gonna lose our jobs if you." I mean, if it was like that. I'm quite sure everybody felt that way or whatever. But it was it was still his decision, yeah. and everybody was behind him 100. percent Whatever he wanted to do, we was all like, mm-hmm. "Yo, we we ready." So everybody was getting their affairs uh, affairs in order, mm-hmm. you know, depending on what he said and what he wanted to do. So. But he took care of everybody. He took yeah. care of everybody. Yeah, because I think they they uh, had a lawsuit, mm-hmm. you know, where they got paid like $45 million or something. Yeah, he got a big payout. Yeah, so he took care of everybody. That's good. And then so he, he took you on tour uh, yeah, after that. Yeah, um, then after that he took me on tour with him too. Was that like, fun? Yeah, man. Close out the show, man. Like that was – he closed out the show, but mm-hmm. right before he closed it out I was – that bit right before that man and it was such a sweet spot man and you know I met so many great celebrities and great people man and just riding around with him and going from city to city and it was a movement at that time man. yeah we it like really rocks. was oh we was like rock stars man it was like Team Coco all the way yeah like, I remember going to the show at Radio City Music Hall oh it was my insane God, yeah. it was insane man and we were like I mean like true bona fide rock stars man <laughs> from city to city man and I just was like what is going on? You know, like I mind you, I just got with him, mm-hmm. and all of this yeah. just started happening. Like bam, 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 bam. So, and then you you stayed on for the TBS show. Yeah, it came on the TBS show, and then we rocked and rolled for some years over there. And then I had my own show. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Black Box. Yeah, what? Uh, so, um, so that kind of spun off at TBS, um, yeah. and you did that show yeah. uh, for for how, how long did you end up doing that show? I only did like six episodes, but yeah. the powers to be at the time, man, they were like horrible, yo. Yeah, they were horrible. Yeah, they because TBS was a baseball network. Yeah, they didn't yeah, really know all white, comedy yet. Yeah. White America, like yeah. oh my god, it was apple pie and baseballs that's what it was so mm-hmm. when my show came on they wanted me to do a like tosh point show when right. i was like 
nah, we're going to talk about current events. Mm-hmm. And they was like, nah, we need like a Tosh. And I was like, eh. So we were talking about real stuff. Like we were talking about the N-word. We were talking about Amanda Bynes when mm-hmm. she was going through her problems. We was dealing yeah, with- Trayvon Martin. Trayvon right? Martin. We was dealing with real stuff and it was fun and people- Love, love the show. And my ratings was the same as like Conan's like some days. It was like I would have the same, mm. five, the lead in from Conan. I would keep that lead in. Yeah. I would keep everybody that watched Conan. They would stay and watch. Like it was, it was great. But the powers that be, they wanted me to be some kick in the nut show like that, man. Mm. Like it was just like, and, and no, no disrespect to Tosh and all of them or whatever. But yeah. Even though Tosh disrespected me, though, <laughs> but it's all love. But I never wanted to be Tosh, you know, mm-hmm. and it just, um, you know, it just it is what it is. To this day, people still be like, man, we need that black box show back. Yeah. Man. We need it back, man. And and I entertained it, and I and I, I definitely want to bring it back. I definitely mm-hmm. do. Yeah. Have, there, have there been opportunities to do something like that? Yeah, again? I had some people talk to me about it. Definitely, they want me to uh, do some stuff mm. with it or whatever. You know, yeah. um, not at, because not I was at TBS. Because I was no, no, not at TBS. I mean, but I would because yeah. it's a whole new regime yeah. over at TBS yeah. now. TBS is like rocking and rolling now. So mm. everybody that was there when I was doing it, they're all gone now. Yeah. So I definitely would do it. But uh, 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 with, with, with Black Box, it was just man, it was like. Like everybody wanted me to keep doing that, man. It, mm. And it was good. Like John Oliver's show, his show was like off of my show. Like, like his last week tonight show. Yeah, because that's what I did. I mm-hmm. did. I did everything that happened the week early. Mm. I would yeah. talk about it. Like that was the whole spill of the show. That's what was so great about it. And mm-hmm. John, when John's show came out, it was the same thing. You know, the same thing. Mm-hmm. But. His show's done pretty well. It's doing amazing, (laughs) amazing, amazing. But they were behind him. HBO was behind him. And that's that's what I was telling TBS. I said, man, just get behind me. If y'all don't know what you're doing, just, Mm -hmm. just... you looking at the numbers, we're doing great. Like, yeah. just let us keep doing what we're doing. But so what happened, do you think? I think that they just wasn't ready for the show, man. And they just, they only wanted, like, white baseball programming at the time. Yeah. That's what they wanted. Because I think they had, like, Sullivan and Son and, mm-hmm. you know, all these other shows that they had. And mine was just, like, in your face. And mm-hmm. they just... I don't know. They got scared? Man, I don't know what it was. I remember one time I saw a promotional ad for my show that they did, and they didn't come to me about it. And it was like this woman chopping watermelons with her breasts. <laughs> and I was like, and it was like, tune in to Black Box. And I wow. was furious about that. What did you, you, you went to yeah, them? Yeah, well, I went to them and was like, what is this? What'd they say? And they was like, oh, well, we thought you approved it. I'm like, I didn't approve it. No, I did not. I don't even know what that is. That's crazy. Yeah, it was crazy, man. But like I said, all those people that were there, they're gone now. And TBS is kick-ass station now, man. Mm-hmm. Kick-ass station. They're doing it. Uh, so what I want to do now is kind of go through some of the stuff that we haven't talked about yet in your career. And if there's just a, a story or a memory that, that pops out, um, that you can, that you can think of. Okay. Um, so your first, uh, your first movie role was in barbershop, right? Yeah. So what do you remember from, from that experience? Man, I remember, um, not getting in the movie mm-hmm. and, uh, 
all my friends were in it. And so I was very happy for them. And I was like, man, I was so happy for you guys and all that. Then they called me and told me that one of the guys got put out the movie and can I get his, they said I could have his role. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh my God, this is crazy. So I had my little two lines and I got in and I did it and I was happy. You know, shout out to Ice Cube for allowing me to, you know, giving me that that spot and said Cedric Entertainer too for, mm-hmm. for for agreeing to let me get that and then when they did Barbershop 2 they called me again to come in and get it in and I was like fine that's great and then when Barbershop 3 came around for me to be like part of the Barbershop the whole cast it was like surreal man. Yeah. it was like I went from these cameos mm-hmm. to actually being <laughs> one of the cast members in the movie yeah. and it was just it was great man Yep, white folk is coming back. And they're trying to make money on the brother, too. Ah, uh, but you see, this ain't about white folks coming back. Most of these new businesses coming in are black-owned. This whole block is going to get some much-needed upgrades. You know, they could tear down all this mess around here, if you ask me. Change is a good thing. As long as they ain't building no liquor stores and no titty bars, I'm cool with it. <laughs> oh, wait, wait, wait a minute now, Calvin. Because they built a titty bar across the street, I ain't never going home. <laughs> <laughs> Here's your shit. Now I burnt the rest of it. So the next time you want to call yourself sleeping around behind somebody's back, first of all, make sure she look like something, because I heard all of your little shit. Your cell called the house, and I heard all two minutes of it, baby. No, I didn't hear it. Are you trying to call me a lie? And I don't even see how you can cheat on me anyway with your little toddler penis. I hope you had a good time, because the next time you come back to the house, I'ma get medieval on your ass. I mean, I got a sword, I got an axe, a box of bullets, and I'ma get both of my baby daddies to jump on that ass. Damn! She gotta have both of them for them, huh? Shut Ooh, hey, hey! Ooh. Like I was saying, uh... They build a titty bar across the street, huh? No, I ain't never going home. Boy, you couldn't go home if you wanted to. <laughs> you mentioned uh, deaf comedy. Uh, mm-hmm. Did what was that a big deal when you when you did that? Deaf, deaf comedy jam was probably that was the game changer because it showed how unique I was. Mm-hmm. You know, it showed it showed how unique I was and the things that I was talking about at the time. It's like. Very odd, very odd. Like what? I, I think I was talking about somebody in the audience, and I was like, I was like, I bet your mother be naked, walking down the street naked with a cape on and a helmet on and some glasses, naked, pulling a wagon with a car battery in it, naked. Like that, that was the way <laughs> I used to snap on people. <laughs> but I would constantly just add on all these different things, mm-hmm. you know. And so that was people going, what is he talking about, you know. But at the same token, it was like, it's funny. Those who got it, got it. Those who didn't, they was like, he's horrible. So. <laughs> um, another show that you did not too long ago uh, is Angie, Angie Tribeca. Yeah. Um, which was uh, produced by Steve Carell. Yeah. Um, what, was, uh, what was that experience like for you? It was a man, man, 
doing Angie Tribeca was a dream because I'm 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 in love with slapstick and I love mm-hmm. airplane. Yeah, it has gun. kind of that naked gun oh, vibe, right? God, naked gun, airplane, all of that. Zucking Brothers, mm-hmm. Zucking Brothers, uh, all of the, all of their movies, man. I love them. I grew up on them, man. So to have the chance to film a show like that was like everything, and to be with Steve Carell and Rashida Jones, it was like yo. Man, yeah, I'm in on this one, mm-hmm. and so it was good. And and again, like I said, anything I ever auditioned for, I never got. Again, even with this, like I auditioned to be the lieutenant, and mm-hmm. then Steve Carell was like, "I don't want you being like no screaming black lieutenant." Like he it was, was too like, stereotypical. Yeah, he was like, "So I'm gonna write a role for you," mm-hmm. and he he was like. He said he was watching Full House, and he was like, your name's going to be DJ Tanner. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and they wrote me into the TV show, man. Yeah. Like, just wrote me in it. Again, you know, no, I did not auditioning, but just vibing, man, mm-hmm. and just getting the role. You know, just all vibes. Yeah, I mean, and then there's Blackish, which is probably the biggest thing that you've done in your yeah. in your career and, yeah. and has had the biggest impact. Yeah. Um, is it true that your character was written for uh, for Charlie Murphy? Yeah, yeah. That's why the, the character's name is Charlie that I play. Mm-hmm. And I went on the show to write yeah. for that character. I wasn't even supposed to be on that show because I was waiting on Angie Tribeca to start. Mm-hmm. But they were taking a very long time to start Angie Tribeca. And I was like, well, I might as well go over here and write until Angie Tribeca starts up. And then Charlie um, decided not to do it at the last minute. Mm-hmm. And... Kenya and I, the creator Kenya Barris and I, we sat up and talked about the character Charlie and, you know, like writing for it and, you know, and then he just asked me, like, man, why don't you just, can you go in and play that character? And I was like, sure, you know, thinking it's a one-time ordeal. Mm -hmm. And after that one time, it was just lights out. Yeah, it's turned into a big thing. I mean, yeah. and now with the the spinoff, uh, Grownish too. Yeah, yeah. Um, what's the, what's the experience been like on on that show? It's been amazing, man. Kicking it with Yara and Trevor and all the kids, man, and mm-hmm. uh, hanging out with them. Man, most beautiful cast, man. The young cats, they make me feel like I'm a chaperone over there because <laughs> they're so young and beautiful, man. But it's just, it's it's so it's so much fun. Yeah. They're, so much fun uh, working with those kids, man. They're, they're not too PC for you? Oh, no. No, 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 no. <laughs> Chloe and Haley and, and, and everybody. Francisca, Francisca, like everybody, man. Emily, Jordan, uh, uh, Diggy, all of them. Everybody's like amazing, man. And yeah, we just... We just have a good time, but no, they're far from PC. (laughs) (laughs) I know last week's class on the Wu-Tang Clan was overwhelming for some of you all. But please, make no mistake. The section on Raekwon the Chef will be on the midterm. Okay? Now, for tonight's class, our lesson is filing taxes. More specifically, filing my taxes. Still more specifically, how do I file my taxes? How do you feel like, you know, your role on, on both of those shows has kind of uh, changed your career or, or changed, you know, the opportunities that you that you have now? Yeah, I mean, it just made us household names, man. Mm-hmm. And uh, it made us names. And, and for us to have that platform, man, to not only be a black face, 
but to be a black voice was like very important and mm -hmm. you know you don't know till you know you know and and after years of doing a show even right now you know the importance of it you know you um you tend to I tend to look back now, like I look at reruns and stuff, and I go, wow, man, we, we really put in some work, man. Like, mm -hmm. we, we really did this. And to be stamped into pop culture for the rest of our lives is, is uh, it's mind-blowing still to me, you know, so. That's very cool. Uh, so we end every episode by asking uh, comedians, what's the last piece of comedy that made you laugh really hard? It could be something you saw on TV, a movie, somebody live. What's, uh, what's something that really made you laugh? The last piece of comedy that's produced comedy or just... It could be anything. Produ yeah, produced or someone that you just saw, uh, you know, perform stand-up or, or just something, something, anything you've seen. Man, what was, the, what was the last thing that had me cracking up? Oh, well, it's not produced comedy, but... That's I, okay. I have like a... Like my, like my, I call her my sister. It's like a sister to me, man. Her name is Brooklyn. She works with me and does things for me. And I asked her to call a plumber for me. And I said, hey, call a plumber for me because I just moved into this new house. And I said, call a plumber for me. I don't have any cold water. Mm -hmm. And she was like, what do you mean you don't have any cold water? <laughs> And I said, oh, I meant to say hot water. And she was like, oh, okay. She was like, because it sounded like, all your water was just blazing hot <laughs> coming out your sink. And you didn't have any cold water. Like just like so you mean you tell me you cut your sinks on and just blazing flaming hot water comes out. And your problem is no cold water. And I was like, no, it keeps the cold water, but I don't know why that cracked me up so much, man. I just <laughs> but yeah, that was that was, that cracked me up, man. That, and that just happened earlier <laughs> earlier today, man. So yeah, shout out to B. B's funny, man. All right. Well, uh, thank you so much for coming in and doing this today. Hey, thank you so much, man. And I love you all's platform, man. Keep rocking. Keep doing what you're doing, man. And uh, to all the listeners, thank you so much. Follow me on Instagram at d e o n c o l e. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And enjoy the special, y'all. Thank you. Thank you again to Dion Cole for that great conversation. His new special, Cole Hearted, is now streaming on Netflix. And you can also see him on the new season of Blackish, which airs at 9.30 p.m. every Tuesday night on ABC. And you can find his tour dates at DionCole.com. If you enjoy this show, please tell your friends and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. You can find me on Twitter at Matt Wilstein and at TheDailyBeast.com. The Last Laugh is distributed by Himalaya Media for The Daily Beast. It is produced by Jason Smith and Scott Porch for Starburns Audio and edited by Mackenzie Mazel. Our theme music is by Claude, who you can find on Instagram at claude.mp3. You can find the show every week on Apple Podcasts, the Himalaya app, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And you can find show notes and highlights from each episode on thedailybeast.com. See you next week! I think we know the rest of the story. <laughs> Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.